Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Hall of Games, episode number 47. I am your host, Josh Gagos, joined as always by my co-host, the casual, Jared Benson. And today we are going to be talking about the video game Inside. Very excited about this pick, um, but glad to be back here. We're in February now, 2023, uh, rounding the corner into the month of love. And Jared, how have things been for you? They've been good. You can kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, things are slowly, slowly, slowly getting warmer. Now, New England is a little tricky. Sometimes you get a little bit of an early spring, and so by mid-March, you're feeling springy. Um, but but normally by the end of March, there's a noticeable warming up. So, But you can see that we are through January, which is my least favorite month uh, in the in the calendar year. Um, so we're through that and we're about halfway through February. So I'm excited. And I have a Disney trip coming up at the end of February that I'm really looking forward to going down to celebrate my future sister-in-law. She's running in a marathon, which is super cool. And her daughter, it's going to be her first time to Disney. So we are very excited about that trip. Looking forward to that. And the long, cold winter is just about over. Well, there you go. I wonder what is the issue with January? I there's just nothing to look forward to there's like so like (laughs) in December you have several things to look forward to you have you have Christmas you have the first snowfall which usually happens in December and then you have um and then you have like my brother's birthday on the 28th so there's reasons to celebrate there's reasons to enjoy things in January and you have New Year's like you have the end of the year that is a December 31st holiday I don't care what anyone says we all wake up on the first and be like, oh, last time I saw you was last year. <laughs> and so, you know, it, but after that, it's just despair for 31 days. So <laughs> I, I just don't like January. My birthday is in January too, Jared. And well, Martin I've, Luther King Day. That's true. I've conveniently forgotten your birthday and I uh, am obviously a racist. So <laughs> that's why January... Yeah, well, no, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Well, I have that goes I have, without saying. I have forgotten your birthday a couple times, but I'm sorry to crap on your month. It's just for me, it's dark and <laughs> depressing for most of the time. It's like new beginnings, though. You know, like fresh start. And the gym is filled with people who don't want to be there, and they won't be there for the next. <laughs> you know, they'll be there for a week and a half, and then they'll be done. Them's the facts. You ain't wrong. Well, I I'm glad to see January go as well. It's been a good year thus far for me. I've had a lot of like rededication, refocusing, and um, I have really cleaned up in a lot of ways. Still trying to work on some things. My diet's good, not good. My lack of exercise is. We were doing well for like a week, and then it kind of dropped off again. And I got. I've been sick too twice this month already, which is insane. So, yeah, I'm glad to see it go. What, it is, man. What's it up is. with that? Like, what uh, just something up? Something up with you? It's all the kids. Yeah, it's, I. I work at the at the academy, so they get sick and then they get me sick, unfortunately. Yeah. And then I get my family sick, so my baby's been sick twice this month too, which is yeah. sad. When babies are sick, it's very sad. And babies um, are. But always I'm glad sick to too. see it go too. I need to like get to. We have a break next week. I need to get to that break, enjoy that, and then it's Valentine's next week as well. So I'll have a couple moments with my wife as well. Um, so February's a good month for sure. Yeah, I but, agree. Uh, I agree. 
yeah, looking forward to this year. It's going to be a good one, I think. I think it's going to be a good one. Um, and obviously, you've got a lot of exciting things going on as well. But that being said, this is the Hall of Games, the ever-growing catalog of legendary game titles that have proven to be timeless classics. Each title is chosen from the Bard's backlog and broken down through comprehensive evaluation. We, Jared and I, are the keepers of the Hall of Games, the skeptic critics of each candidate, and the executioners of those not deemed worthy. Today's episode is on Inside. Will this iconic indie game make it into the Great Hall? We'll see how this conversation goes. Really, this is one of these times, usually, Jared and I come in here and we've talked about it. Like, we have some inkling of how the other feels. I have no clue how Jared feels. So I'm very much looking forward to seeing how this conversation goes. Um, Of course, you can support the podcast by giving our social media posts a like, uh, following us on any podcast service, and by dropping a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Turn on notifications on those podcast services to get it as soon as it has dropped. Um, And we are going to be a little more active on social media uh, tertiary not too much um i'm still trying to figure out some details here but uh jared really motivated me actually at the start of the year to pick up some of these ideas that we've had before um and one of those is to increase presence on social media um i've been busy so i haven't done it as much as and i'm still trying to map out a plan of how to do it um but i i updated and finally published a patreon for us so that is out there in the wild really it's more of a tip jar right now there's not a whole lot of benefits to it but that is something i want to continue to work with and build upon um we have great ideas for merch. Jared and his good fiance Lucy have been um, very gracious in discussing that and potentially getting some shirts for us. And um, that's moving. I'm trying to write a little bit more from the Bard's perspective and publish things like that. I've put a little piece out on Dead Space, um, which I kind of want to put actually in my games we've planned. We throw that on here too. Um, and there's a lot going on. Um, I plan on launching Red Pixel Podcast. My goal was to have an episode up today, but I got sick this week. If you talk to me on yesterday and Tuesday, my voice was gone, mm-hmm. completely gone. Um, I don't know how it sounds over the phone, but it's definitely still congested. But after like teaching all day yesterday, it was like it was just like barely there. Like I could like barely whisper, so I was just like I can't, I can't record. Um, so I, I'm going to see if I can get something small up maybe this weekend, but that's going to be a revivification of Red Pixel, a refocusing of it as well. Um, a shorter podcast with uh, me at the helm of it kind of going, um, you know, radio jockey style on my own into the to the great wild. So we'll see how that works out. But um, we're, we're trying to get some things moving here in 2023 for the podcast. So support us. Um, reach out. Uh, our email is askvgb at gmail.com. That's A-S-K-V-G-N-B. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. Any comments, questions, or any challenges that you may have. Anything that you'd like to defy us upon. Uh, we say a lot of things. I think both of us are pretty opinionated people. So things come out sometimes. And, and I love it because I have nobody to challenge me. But having someone out there to push back a little I think would be healthy for us. So. Our goal is to grow. Our goal is to build community. Our goal is to um, really uh, make our Patreon valuable, uh, to add more content through other shows and whatnot. That's going to be our push for 2023. So looking forward to an exciting year. Um, last time we talked about Deathloop. 
And we left off with uh, skipping out on that. Go and check out that episode. I think it was a really good conversation about um, what was a very controversial game. Um, And before we do anything else here, Jared, I just want to ask you, what do you prefer? It's Valentine's season. Um, We are uh, a a week away as of today. Or no, as of Tuesday. My bad. Uh, So we're past, we're five days away from Valentine's. Uh, What do you prefer to do for a Valentine's? What would be like your perfect Valentine's Day date celebration? You know, there's a beautiful thing that happens when... Um, so we've seen studies on um, the mental health of individuals in different financial circumstances. And when we have enough money to pay our bills, we we start to curve upward into the happiness realm, but then it plateaus shortly after that. Essentially, what happens is when you have so much money, it starts to lose its value. It starts to lose its its worth. Sure. Um, and there, as millennials are aging into you know the thirties and forties, their thirties their thirties and forties. Millennials again, anyone born nineteen ninety five and earlier, um, we have started to become more financially stable, and thus, you know, we've we've been looking for more experiences as opposed to financial. Um, Things like you know things and stuff, and I think for me a Valentine's is really all about the experience that you can create. If you can come up with, uh, my favorite thing is um, if I can take Lucy and and like create handcraft an experience that I know she'll love. Total surprise. I like progressive dinners, um, so that's one of my favorite things to do um, is to take her to like three of her favorite places, one apps, one entrees, one desserts, um, and maybe end, end on a rooftop bar with a cocktail or something along those lines. Like That's, that's my preference is, is, a, is a, a bevy of experiences, maybe taking her to um, a show or something like that, an experience as opposed to as opposed to a gift. And I think that's partially why Valentine's sometimes to me is a holiday I look forward to more than even Christmas because you can't gift experiences as easily with Christmas. It's just, you know, it's more about stuff, I think, and more about kids anyway. Mm -hmm. But I think with uh, uh, your life partner, being able to craft that experience, handcraft something, maybe even a small gift here and there. I know one year my dad, um, he took my mom on a Valentine's. I think it was Valentine's, either that or her birthday, but he hid little presents for her in the vehicle. And every time they got out and went to a new stop, he pulled out a present and gave it to her. So just little things like that, you know, um, creating a unique experience for your partner. I think that's the most fun. So that's what I try to do on Valentine's, uh, sprinkling a little bit of everything, um, you know, instead of just the standard dinner date, um, I suppose, you know, so. Yeah, that's my thoughts. Do you have anything special planned, or is Karina planning anything for you? I know, uh, I think two <laughs> years ago, Lucy planned our Valentine's, I think. Uh, not me. So, that was fun. Nice. Um, it's on me this year, and I do have a few ideas I'm kicking around. I, I really try to think out of the box, but I am so bad at it. Mm. Um, and, like, steak dinner and, you know, romantic conversation followed up by some uh some hugging and other things after is kind of like really not 
much more than I've gotten thus far, but uh, <laughs> I, I need to, I, I, and you're kind of inspiring me. I need to kind of put it outside of the box a little bit. I have, you know, I, I have thoughts, but it's, it's, I'm not, I'm just not good at this sort of thing. I'm mm-hmm. not a good gift giver. I'm mm-hmm. not going to lie. Um, I'm not the best at being thoughtful when it comes to this stuff, because like for me, a wonderful Valentine's would just be like, chilling at home chill yeah <laughs> like I'm taking just a such day a home right. body it's yeah. so bad um and so i have to like really push myself and and try to think out of the box and not just get a heart-shaped box of chocolates and a teddy bear and and like i said steak dinner like that's all like such the generic way to go so mm-hmm. i i don't have anything out of the box yet but Maybe next time we record, I'll be able to report back and say, hey, I thought of this really cool thing. Um, we'll see. Yeah. We will see. That being said, let's go ahead and talk about our first segment here, the games we play in. And Jared, I am just excited to hear about your impressions of Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. So what do you think of this very interesting single-player Star Wars game? Yeah, so I've been thinking about this a lot. I find myself reminiscing back to... Back to my childhood games. There was a, a game I played called Rebel Strike um, on the GameCube years and years ago. Uh, there have been PlayStation Star Wars games that follow the main canon, you know, Qui Gon Jinn, Obi Wan, things like that. They have been difficult at times. I remember as a kid playing a PlayStation Star Wars game where I was I was playing as Obi Wan and I kept dying. So I just I gave up or my friend had it or something. I don't remember what it was. And then of course the Lego Star Wars games are. So, but other than that, that's been about my experience. I did not play Force Unleashed for the Wii. Um, I think it was for the Wii, right? Am I tripping? There was one on the Wii. It, yeah, it initially came out, I think, on the PS3. But that's what it was. It's been on the Wii as well. Okay, that's what it was. It was the PS3. I have not played those games. Those are pretty legendary from what I hear. They follow a little bit closer to the main storyline. This um, this Star Wars game has been a experience, for sure. I've been playing it on easy. I wonder if I should take turn the difficulty up because the challenge doesn't seem to be there. The combat isn't as smooth as some other games I've played. The game seems to be like 95% traversal. Um, there's a lot of that stuff. Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm still waiting to see the charm. Um, it's been here and there. BD1 is kind of cool. Um, Grease is okay. Um, you know, flying around in the Mantis. The format of it works. I like the way that the hub, hub worlds work. I like what I'm seeing. It's peak Star Wars. There's a lot of cinematic moments that are really pretty. Um, some quick time stuff that makes me think back to like God of War. But in terms of being a juggernaut in any one category, I don't know. I, I'm really seeing like a passing grade in every category, but nothing super special about it. But I'm going to keep playing. I'm going to keep digging. I am enjoying myself. I find myself thinking about it. So um, we'll see what happens. But I think it's, for me, Star Wars 
Star Wars is this magical concept, and I almost wonder if, like, I remember coming over to your house and playing the Star Wars, the the flight simulator, I think, the on the VR, yeah. I think, and I sucked mm-hmm. at that, but it was really fun. Um, and I think Star Wars, to me, might almost be better in what I call a Mandalorian setting, which is you're kind of this no-name character, and you maybe pick your race, similar to Skyrim, and have more of a, um, more of a, I don't know, a homeworld thing, I suppose. But I also don't want it to get, you know, too outer worlds ish, too dumb. So I don't know. I don't know. I feel like, but I feel like something's missing, but I can't quite put my finger on it. But I am enjoying myself. So that's Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. I wonder if I should have gone back and played the first game first. Um, and that might be available on PlayStation. Uh, pre, uh, what do you mean by first game? I thought this was the second game. This is the first one. Oh, this There's is the first one. one. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. Cal Cal Kestis is is brand new in this one. Um, I I do think you're get, you're doing yourself a disservice by playing it on easy. I think this game should be played on hard, like okay. than normal. I think you should kick it up a notch because it becomes much more rewarding and a lot more technical on the um, combat side of things. What do you think of Cal Kestis as a he, uh, primary protagonist? He's great. I have no issues with Cal. Cal is fantastic. It seems to be, and I think I made this comment to you, it seems to be that I'm lacking some sort of connection to the tertiary, the side characters here, the supporting cast. Yeah. I don't quite get the emotional you know, grasp. But maybe that's because I'm just not a huge Star Wars fan. I do enjoy it from yeah. the outside, but I'm also that I'm the, I'm that person who in the the group setting insists that the best piece of Star Wars TV we've ever seen is Mandalorian, followed closely by Clone Wars. And the only reason I put Mandalorian first is because that first like season of Clone Wars is a little rickety. It feels like really cartoony. It doesn't quite get to the good stuff until later on. And then I think Rogue One is the best Star Wars movie ever made. So I'm that guy at the party. <laughs> I'm right there. I'm I'm close. I don't know if I'd say Rogue One is the best one ever, but it's definitely the best of everything they've done since Disney took over. Um, do you do you find the? Um, well, did you watch the Obi Wan series? I did. I did. I thought I thought they were. It was. I thought it was good. Do you find the? Because a lot of Obi Wan actually reminded me of Fallen Order because it has the Inquisitors and it has like uh, the what used to be a Jedi Padawan now turned rogue. Like, yes. do you find any of that uh, redundant with Fallen Order now? Because you've seen Obi Wan, and then also, do you think the overarching um, mission of getting the list of Force sensitive people is compelling? Or does it seem like because I could see that honestly, like in my opinion, that's where maybe it's not like it doesn't connect. Mm. Um, no, I, I mean obviously I recognize Inquisitor, Inquisitors. I see what they are, but it feels so it feels so new agey. I guess um, the Inquisitors sure. is something that never show up in. Do they ever show the up in canon? Series. I don't think they do in the nine. They're, well, they're technically canon now. Um, oh. Because the Star Wars Rebels series has them, which is a sequel to Clone Wars. Um, And then now they've had them in Obi-Wan. They've had them in Jedi Fallen Order. I want to say there's something else, too, where... But it is... That's a new development. I think that is technically a George Lucas idea, but one that, yeah, it's not reflected in the original movies. So there's, like, no mention of Inquisitors or anything then. Which they'll do that sometimes. Like, Force Awakens... 
Oh, not Force Awakens. Um, Force Unleashed, the video game that you mentioned on the PS3. Um, that's about a unknown um, Padawan of Vader's who is like incredibly super powerful. Like he's more powerful than Vader himself, and um, is like almost too powerful and has to be taken out by the end of it. But um, that kind of like got thrown in there, and technically George Lucas oversaw that, but it was always a question of like. Like, is that canon? Does that even fit? Like, they've gone now with Clone Wars and added in Ahsoka, and she's now very much canon in the story, but it's like there's so much rewriting that has to be done to squeeze in this all, like, all this stuff. Yeah. So I can feel the Inquisitors in that in that vein for sure. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't mind them. I did uh, forget until just now that that's actually the goal, is to find a list of Force-sensitive people. <laughs> Yeah, I kind of got a little. You're, not, you're kind of just like going along. Yeah, you get a little bit like, of tunnel like, vision trying to survive yeah. in these different areas, and and like, all right, just get to the end here, learn the new technique, unlock the new lightsaber, etc. Yeah, and it's kind of annoying that like I, it just always bothers me when it's like, oh, I remember how to do this thing, mm. and it's like, really? <laughs> yeah, callbacks <laughs> like, are cheap d- narrative tricks. Yeah, I get it because they're like trying to unlock abilities and stuff. But anyway, we'll talk more about that. We'll cover that eventually. Um, I'm looking forward to the sequel. I like it a lot. I think it's a fun game, um, and I like the Soulsiness of it. I think the marriage of Star Wars plus some Souls combats—it's very light Souls combat—and yeah. then um, really Uncharted is the other vibe, like the adventure stuff and the traversal stuff you're talking about. Like that's ripped straight from Uncharted. I th- I like that combo. Like I think there's something there, and I hope the sequel takes it to the next level. Um, but tell me about your other game here, Jared. Far Cry Primal. Far Cry Primal appealed to me because um, have you ever seen the movie Ten Thousand BC? I have not. I know what it is, but I've not seen it. Kind of a funky CGI um, uh, prehistoric avatar style almost thing you got going on here. You got the saber-toothed tiger. You got large uh, woolly mammoths. You have scope and scale. It's a corny movie. It's I think um, I don't I don't want to say low budget, but like it's a cinematic experience for sure. It's got a lot of big scary moments where you're just like, how will they ever survive? It's a lot of fun. I like the movie as just a straightforward adventure you don't have to think about. And I was hoping for the same thing in 10,000 or in Far Cry Primal, but so far I'm not enjoying it. And part of it is because the first person is throwing me off for one. It feels like I'm sure it's just going to take some adjusting too because I've been playing the third person Star Wars game. Um, But it's not my favorite and it looks old you know i'm obviously it is old too yeah yeah it's yeah 2016 you know that's six seven years ago so that's and and last year 2022 was the year of triple a games for this podcast so it was like you know i'm 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 struggling a little bit i don't know if i'll keep playing it but i i loved the idea and the concept behind it and they're following through on what i how i would play it as well so i really don't have any design uh critiques or anything like that but it's just not striking the same x factor i i kind of was looking for so probably can this one soon enough and move on nice i mean i i I pretty much had the same reaction to be honest when i when i tried to play through primal so um that doesn't super surprise me far cry has always had a i don't know a a spot in my heart that i you know i wanted to try to love it and it has never been something that i've sure 
actually fully enjoyed. Yeah. No matter how hard I've tried. I think I own all of them except for six, too. Like, I own them, I've tried them, and I just, like, can never get into them. So, I guess they're just not for me. Far Cry is certainly... Is peak Ubisoft too, and that's like sometimes that's a comfort, yeah. a comfort food. You know, it's like I just know where everything is. Uh, you know, playing um, playing a Far Cry game or playing a Grand Theft Auto game or playing you know Forbid Horizon. These are all comfort. You know, nice thick HUD HUD dis, uh, HUD displays and different stuff like this. Now you have a game on your list here that I am about to get into, but I haven't touched it yet, so I couldn't put it put it on the games we play in list. And that's cyberpunk. What's been making you play yes. cyberpunk lately? You know, I, so my journey this last month, I was trying to find something. Dead Space Remake came out. Um, mm-hmm. I had started Persona 4 at the start of the year. I'm still playing that in the background. And I want to hear what you think of Persona 5 thus far. Um, but Dead Space Remake came out. I got so enthralled with that. Fantastic. Amazing. Amazing game. Mm-hmm. Like, this is if if there is an exception to allowing a remake to be game of the year, it's this one. It's Dead Ooh. Space remake. Like it should be in the running. I think this one and probably Resident Evil Four is a remake coming out this year as well are going to be like in that conversation. And if they're not, they should be. They did everything right here. Uh, it's it's updated graphics, so it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. Um, the sound design is what it was in the original Dead Space. The original Dead Space, when the guys went out to create it, they set out to make the scariest game ever made. Um, and so it was it was gory. You've got this like dark religious twist on it. Um, you have just like an unnerving sense the entire time. The music is unsettling. Uh, very much has like uh like what uh, is it dissonance is the word i'm thinking of like in the in the um notes themselves where they aren't in harmony is that the word um i think so but mm-hmm. just like you know you think of like psycho like the <laughs> yeah like all yep. the like other disparaging sounds that come in it just kind of like unnerves you Dead Space's soundtrack does that too, like, and it does it masterfully. And then now, so the original game already had a spirit and a heart that was intentional in trying to scare the heebie-jeebies out of you and mm. to really just make you uncomfortable. And they've taken that heart, they've brought it into 2023, they've made it beautiful, they've also improved the combat. It's a fun game. Like, you are... You are in control. Like you have everything that you have at your disposal to take out these monsters. But the monsters themselves are also ruthless, terrifying, and stressful. And they come at you in groups, and you get overwhelmed. And um, by the end of it, I love there's there's moments in the game, especially towards the end, where you are pushed to your limit. And you can run out of your am- like you're running out of ammo, and I'm having to switch guns to another gun because I just don't have any more in that weapon. And that tension of like, oh my goodness, I don't have any more resources. There's still a couple more. Like, what can I do here? Is just so good. So like the combat's great. Um, it's constantly scaring you. It's constantly surprising you. But at the same time, it still has that heart. And there's a lot of like one-to-one stuff. So like the original game has some iconic moments in it, and a lot of those are still in there. There's some times, though, where they've gone in with this remake. It's like they 
they made every perfect decision. It's like what need what needed to be touched up, they touched up. The things that needed to stay as they were to keep the spirit, to keep the heart, those have all been kept. And then they took other things where they went, okay, you know what? That could be better. In fact, it could be like ten times better. And they take these these moments, or they'll they'll add in a new boss that wasn't there before, or they'll um, add in a cinematic way that this uh, like in one part a ship explodes and uh, in the original game you, it kind of just like flashes up in a flame and then you kind of wake up on the side of the ship um, in this one though you get thrown out of the front and you're like twisting through the air and you see it explode in front of you and it's like you know they just add a bunch of detail in there um, the captain the one that really stuck out to me was the captain's transformation mm. um, so the way the series the the concept here is actually a really disturbing one um there's these thing called markers and these markers are alien they're alien artifacts and the markers will be sent out they'll land on a planet and they'll start to emit a signal and the signal is a biological one actually it it starts to affect your dna and people who are around this marker will start to go crazy and basically the marker is weakening people's mind and then after that it will release these these little alien creatures kind of like in alien the movie but what they do is they they go up to you if they can get a hold of you they shoot like a, a dagger thing into your forehead and they literally take your dna and rewrite it and they rewrite your DNA, and your whole body gets twisted and contorted into a monster. So the monsters in the game are actually people, but their their um, thigh bone has been transformed into a blade on their arm. Um, and their hands that are no longer useful are now kind of like truncated and down to the side. And... Um, They've been basically made into weapons of destruction, um, but they've taken people and done this to them, or they'll take corpses and do it to them as well. Um, and so it's just it's kind of sick and twisted in that way because you're fighting what used to be a human being, um, and now it's this monstrosity that's trying to you know zombie style, I guess, um, but in an even more gruesome, grotesque way, in my opinion. Um, it, it's basically treating human like humans like meat, you know, and mm. like parts that it can reassemble into whatever it wants. Um, so all of that, that, that spirit of it, it's just, it just sits there. It's unsettling to you. And there's this one moment where the captain of the ship, so you get to the USG Ishimura, the whole thing takes place on one ship, very much alien vibes. Um, and you get to the ship, you don't know what's going on. You're there because you're, you, you heard about something that needs to be fixed. Um, a, a mechanic is needed. So you're a mechanic and you show up, um, and everything's dark. They're not able to get onto the comms with the, with the crew. And they realize that something has happened. In fact, it had just happened An attack had opened up and these creatures had started to be formed. Um, and you make your way. Eventually there's all this other stuff that happens, but you make your way to, you're trying to find the captain. Um, and you find out he's dead. He's in the morgue. So you go to his body cause you need to get security access. And in the original game, what happened was one of these aliens that transform you, that change your DNA was on the inside. You're on the outside of a room. You're watching in and the alien on the inside goes and takes the captain's body and changes it. And you're kind of like watching through the window in the remake they made it more personal. What they did was they had you go into the room and it kind of goes into a cutscene. and Isaac, your character, goes over and he's like examining the captain's body um, and he's trying to figure out where the key card is for it and he's like, oh man, like what, what happened to this guy? And then when he um, is distracted by that, this alien is in the room 
it comes over, it knocks you over, and then it takes the corpse of the captain, and before, what had done been a transformation on the other side of glass is now happening with it on top of you and so like the camera's like right there and you're seeing this corpse get transformed into this monstrosity right in front of you and it's like gory and detailed and like Karina and I were watching it we were both like ah like just oh "Oh, my goodness like it was like a shock and your character's like yelling like oh my gosh because it's like happening in front of him and then it like the monster goes over and like changes other one but anyway They've just, like, any little moment that could have been improved, they did it, and they did it to an nth degree, and they've added so much more on top of it, too, and it is just, it's a it's a nice, cool, probably 10-hour experience, but it is every single moment has been refined into exactly what you need from a horror game, so really, really love it, and I was so glad to play through it. That being said, back to what you asked, Jared, so you're, you're talking about Cyberpunk. Um, so I, I finished dead space loves that experience. I I wanted to play new game plus, but I decided I wanted something that had a little bit more agency because dead space is, is very much a scripted experience. It's, it's taking you on a particular journey. Um, I wanted something with a little more freedom and I was kind of looking at a few things and cyberpunk just keeps popping up as an option. So I was like, ah, screw it. I'll, I'll play cyberpunk and so i made a new character and i started to get back into it i had done the first couple of hours when i first got it before i turned it back in um when sony was asking for refunds way back in um what was that was that 2020 or 2021 um that, that whole situation was crazy yeah all that to say dude um cyberpunk is as good as it should have been like if this game had come out finished, if it had come out with all the stupid stuff that came along with it erased from history, this would be up there as like a pinnacle of gaming. Like this would have been, you know, what Elden Ring is to us now, I guess, right. where it was like right. this huge, fantastic, awesome new experience. Like Cyberpunk has everything. It has everything. Um, it's beautiful. Obviously, I'm playing the PS5, so that's a part of it. Um, the writing is good. The story itself at first was very basic, but I just hit, I didn't even realize, but um, about three and a half hours in, you hit the title screen. So I didn't even realize I hadn't seen the title screen yet. Um, <laughs> but for the first three and a half hours, it's just kind of like normal. But then they have, there's one particular mission called the heist where everything all of a sudden gets kicked up way up a notch and the story really kicks into gear. And, um, the intrigue of it really kicks into gear too. And part of that is like when Keanu Reeves shows up. (laughs) So obviously he's going to bring some class Mm -hmm. to what's going on. Um, But it's beautiful. Uh, The gunplay's fine. It's not the most in-depth thing, but it's, it's, it's fun. You have hacking in there, like a watchdogs type hacking. Um, There's a lot of like decisions that you make, like in conversation and stuff. And it seems to have good effects on like what actually happens. So, it has a lot of player agency in that respect. Um, a lot of unique ideas from the, you know, just the setting itself of being set in 2077 in this um, corporate hellscape. Um, and, and a lot of that you see in the anime, like the anime takes some of those ideas and really expounds on them. And um, some of that even is in the game itself, but, you know, more in the background. So it's it's got so it's got everything that you want and everything that it had going for it back then. And I, I wish that it had the time in the light 
that it deserved when it first came out, but its creator just completely botched it. Mm. Um, so I'm enjoying it. I'm just past the title screen, so I'm not that far into it, but I'm going to continue to play it, and um, it's been a really fun, fun experience. Um, it's one of those games, like it, it's like a Skyrim, where I want to read everything. Like I want to see what's going yeah. on. I want to check every single one of the like computers and read the emails and the logs. And um, every now and then you'll pick up like a chip, and it'll it'll have some conversation or like some aspect of something that happened in the history of the world and stuff. And like it's one of those games that's written well enough that all of that's good. So it's it's great. It's great. I'm I'm looking forward to finishing it, and I I highly recommend it for sure. As long as you're okay with all the the nudity and the the transgender penises and the, um, you know, all that stuff. All that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is a uh, cyberpunk world. I'll just put it that way. Um, okay, quickly as well. Um, Metroid Prime Remastered just came out yesterday. I, I almost pooped my pants when that was announced. Um, <laughs> literally a dream come true for me. So I'll have more to say on that. I literally just did the first. I got... I got to the Morph Ball, so I probably played like an hour and a half. This is um, going to be a game that I pick up as well, and I'm excited about. Um, yes. Because Highly I tried recommend. to play the original GameCube uh, Metroid Prime and loved it, but it was someone else's, so I had to give it back before I finished it. So definitely something I'm grabbing. It's good. Um, it's it's one of the greats. Like Metroid Prime, to me... It, it's Metroid, it's everything you love about Super Metroid, but it's in 3D, and they somehow managed to do that. Um, it's old, for sure, so there's some stuff. I'm trying to figure out if I like the dual stick. Um, on the GameCube, it had a very unique um, control style. I didn't really care for that. Um, they have a new dual stick option that feels like a regular shooter now, um, and that seems to be okay, but I really liked the motion control on the Wii when they had this on the Wii. So I'm thinking about switching back to that. Haven't done it yet, but um, I'm I'm just I'm I'm head over heels. Like everything else got shoved to the side as soon as that got announced. Like Cyberpunk, Persona 4, playing through Dead Space again, all of that. Um, I'm supposed to play Pokemon Legends. Like I'm like screw all that. I want to play more Metroid Prime. So I'm looking forward to continuing on with that and reliving some some great some great memories. Um, and then Persona 4 Golden. I've been playing through and have like really fallen in love in the, with the Persona formula again. Um, a lot of people say this one's better than Persona Five. I don't know yet. Like jury's still out in my opinion. Um, the story I think has a little bit more of a fun twist. Now, Jared, you're playing through Persona Five, so quick, just tell me what do you think about the story that you've seen thus far? Is it something that captures you? It's definitely like this is this is anime story, right? Like there's you're in right. high school, right? You have a lot of slice of life stuff going on, but then there's like this mystery. Does any of that connect with you? Do you think it resonates like anime does or does it kind of fall flat? Yeah. I mean, so much of gaming for me at least is about the tactile feel of combat. Um, And, you know, even, even back as far as Skyrim, I remember thinking to myself, it sounds so good when the hammer connects with my opponent's face or a dragon blows fire, you know, like, you know, sound effects and and different things like that. So on that side of things, Persona 5 kind of like, it depends on my mood of whether I'm enjoying the combat or not. But as far as like the comic book feel of things, the jazz elements, the slice of life, playing through an anime, I love all of that stuff. Stylistically, I'm there with you 100% of the way. So it really does depend on my mood whether the 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 
parts of the game I don't care for shine through more or the things that I love shine through more. But I am enjoying all of the elements that you mentioned, and I'm, I'm there for okay. it. And, and if you recommend Persona 4 Golden, I'll put it on the backlog, and I'll get to it eventually. Yeah, I say continue to push through Royal uh, Persona Five Royal because I think it's 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 more beautiful. It's made for modern consoles. Sure. Um, I like the story in Persona Four. We'll see how it continues on. In Five, you're like you you've taken on the task of like fixing people, which is different from Four. In Four, sure. it's like a murder mystery over and over. I got you. Um, so it's it's just got a different vibe to it. Um, and it was made for the PlayStation 2, so it's not it's not beautiful by today's standards. It's it's very limited compared to Persona 5. Um, the dungeons in Persona 5 are all randomly generated, which is different in Persona 5. Like when you go to a palace, it's all handcrafted and it reflects the person who whose palace it is and yada yada yada. So, um, but I like the I love the month to month. Um, I like the weekly, like choosing what you're doing throughout the week and, uh, the different tasks and getting to know all the other guys in your class and, um, building on bonds and stuff and, uh, combining persona and everything like all of that, that I love from persona five is back. And, um, I'm enjoying it for that. Uh, the combat, I hope, I hope it clicks for you eventually, Jared, cause it is, in my opinion, it's really good. Um, it's the best turn-based combat you're going to get and it can move really fast and rapid once you get a feel for like how to engage in the strategies. Um, so I'm hoping you can turn a corner with that because it does get, I think it gets better and, and, and knowing when to use what can, can really make or break the game's experience. Um, my encouragement for you would be to take your time, which it seems like you are, um, take your time with it. Use every day to its fullest. This game is meant to like the persona games are meant to kind of just like be lived in Mm. and, um, not to be rushed through yeah. and to pay attention to the conversations and to get to know these individuals and to um, go out of your way to try to go on activities with people and whatnot. So that would be my encouragement is try to try to keep that in the perspective, which means that it is kind of a long haul. Um, but once I finish Metroid Prime um, and Cyberpunk too, I think Cyberpunk's kind of taken the place for me for Persona 4. I'll eventually get back to Persona 4, but it, it's good. I'm, I'm enjoying it again. Okay, let's move on here. I've been talking a lot. Um, my voice is almost gone. I, you can tell I'm sick. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the default segment though. quick thought here and we don't have to spend too much time on this but hbo's last of us is making waves yes and yes. because of that i'm i'm wondering okay game to tv adaptations you gotta know people are seeing the excess of this so, the success sony's seeing the success of it and they're thinking about what else they can adapt yeah so maybe just one of each jared what's a prediction of yours something that you could see sony microsoft whoever making into a tv show 
what would be a hope of yours? And then what would be like a series that's like a total pipe dream yeah. that you would love to see? Yeah. Um, prediction, the God of War live action falls flat. I, I really don't see how they can make this okay. series without... It's going to take a protagonist. It's going to take a character, an actor, who could play Kratos, who is going to capture the heart right. of the fan base just as much as Christopher Judge. And I don't think it'll be done right. Um, and I think it'll fall flat. That's my prediction. Do I hope it doesn't fall flat? Of course. Of course. Also, where are you going to put it? Are you going to put it in Greece? Are you going to put it in Nordic country? How are you going to do this? So I think it'll fall flat. I think it'll, it'll, it'll do too much and it won't work. Hopes, the Mario movie. It looks awesome. I hope it is awesome. Um, I am super stoked to go see that. Lucy and I got a little AMC gift card uh, for Christmas. We are saving this for that. We are super excited about that. Um, and as in terms, and like you got other game to TV adaptions, I think if I have this order, right, the cyberpunk show, phenomenal, uh, arcane phenomenal. You got a lot of things going on where people, people have done it right. Um, and so I feel very fulfilled as if I have now had two coworkers separately recommend last of us to me. And so I've got to play the games. I've got to watch these, this show because, and I love Pedro Pascal, of course, um, Game to TV, as far as like a, a a game that I love that would make a good TV show, I think I think Horizon, any of those, any of, either the first or the second, would make great shows because you're playing through such a condensed narrative. Your choices don't matter that much. Um, That's a great pick. I I I think that would be an easy pick, easier than God of War. Easier. The world is super I consistent. Agree. The world is all the characters are there that you know and love. Um, if you're going to make a full-on animated movie of of Horizon instead of a live action, you could use Ashley Birch again. She was fantastic. You can use all the voice actors, Petra, uh, 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 Ross. All, all these people that we fell in love with in these games could definitely be moved over very easily. I think um, another game uh, game to TV adaption that would be really nice. Um, I had it on the tip of my tongue. I was thinking about this the other day. Well, I lost it. Go ahead and tell if you have any off the top of your head. Tell me what you're thinking. I like I like what you said about what's coming out. I I pretty much agree with you across the board. As far as Last of Us is concerned, I think that they are showing that um, these. Well, and Last of Us is unique because it was always very story based, but uh, games can be adapted without being one to one and be really good. Because they've they've taken quite a few liberties with it, um, and honestly, I kind of want them to take more. Yeah, I think you should watch the show, <sighs> or should you play the game first? Oh man, I don't know. We have to play these games eventually, though. Like yeah. now that you have a PlayStation Five, there's no excuse. Like, Not negotiable, right? Uh, yeah, and the the first one is is phenomenal. They just made the remake. I, I I've got to play that actually as well. Um, those are like like if you if you thought God of War was good, okay, like actual true AAA experience. It's Last of Us. Like nothing beats it. Um, but for me, um, game to TV adaptations. I I've always wanted. Okay, so prediction wise, I actually was gonna say Horizon as well. I think that's a pretty solid one. Um, I think. I think actually seeing something in the vein of, well, and here's the problem is they've done Resident Evil, but they've not done it from the actual game's perspective. Like if they actually did it from the game's perspective and had the game's characters in it, that's one thing. Um, but I mean, I guess they've tried it over and over. So I can't say that that's something that 
they're going to do because they, they keep failing with what they've done. The Netflix Resident Evil, is just, it was such a disappointing show. I don't know. It's just very disappointing. Um, my hopes, so like a huge hope for me has always been um, more Nintendo products, whether that's Metroid or Zelda. I think Zelda would make a really great anime on like a Netflix or something like that. Um, and I think with the Mario movie, depending on the success of that, we'll see potential for more Nintendo products to be adapted. Um, and I think Mario works great as a movie. Um, I think Zelda would work better as a TV show. Um, and then a pipe dream of mine would be, um, I mean, this is never going to happen, but like a full-fledged, massive budget, dead space adaptation. <laughs> like that's just on the brain for me, but like, Sure. They give it everything that it needs, um, and they do it with the budget of like a an HBO show, um, and they have the Chernobyl writers involved and stuff like that. Like if they did if they did all that, which is what they're doing for Last of Us, which is why it's so good. Um, I would love Dead Space, and actually maybe even Dead Space would make good movies, but nobody's ever gonna place a bet on Dead Space on that level. Um, but that's just me. I love that series. I love the lore. I love everything going on with it. So. Um, that would be mine. Were you able to think of yours? Yes. Um, so I actually I actually feel like Zelda would make a cool anime for sure. But I actually thought this the other day. I was like, so I'm I'm kind of a weeb. I like I watch a lot of anime. I like anime. Um I kind really of. feel like this is gonna sound so lame. I really feel like I would watch the heck out of an Animal Crossing slice of life anime. <laughs> Yes, like, dude. Like, I don't think I don't like. I would watch the heck out of that. Just a little twelve dude, episode that would kill. thing. Uh, it would be so heartwarming. It would just be like we're gonna make you know, especially following the plot of the original Animal Crossing and like I don't know, the, just the different things. It could be dude. hilarious. It could be co- comedic. Uh, it could be. I and have you ever had someone that you love move away? Have you ever felt that? Yeah, yeah. It's awful. It sucks. It is, yeah. And you could really punch a a slice of life on the Animal Crossing. You could, (laughs) you could punch a hole in my heart. You know, the size of Tom Nook's shop. If you were could pull that emotion off, and blathers and like the different things. You know, mild, mild drama and and different stuff like this. A slice of life done in Animal Crossing style. (laughs) I would probably watch the heck out of that, dude. Not gonna lie to you. You. I think you just like stumbled upon like a billion dollar idea. <laughs> like legit, I could see that being like hyper successful. Like yeah. everybody watching it. Cause it's Animal Crossing. Yeah. Man, that's such a good idea, Jared. We um, should make anime. That that's that's uh, well, I, I dude, I have ideas for anime, dude. I do. I just <laughs> I think about them all the time. Um no, that that is something I thought about the other day. Um I actually feel like some of the older games that I liked as a kid would make for interesting movies. Um, I feel like any of the Far Cry games could make for a good movie. They already have such incredible characters. Like Far Cry 3 could yeah. have been easily a blockbuster movie. Um, but just depending on the direction, the director, the production skills, it could flop like Uncharted flopped. You know, it just doesn't deliver the same punch. But. Um, uh, the guy from Far Cry 3, I don't remember his name. It's Vosh or something. I don't remember. He's like, you know what the definition of insanity is? Um, I think it is Vosh, yeah. It's, he's an incredibly compelling villain. And that storyline of freeing, you know, leaving your friends and freeing the island and choosing them at the end or not choosing them, like that was 
a great story of that game. I really enjoyed that, and I think it could be made into a good movie. One other shout out I was thinking of while you were just talking was um, Bioshock that series. Sure, I think yeah, that yeah, yeah, really great adaptation as well. There's always been talks like all of this stuff. Obviously, like there's always talks in the background and dead projects that were you know in limbo for forever. And Bioshock's one of them. And uh, I, there was like like I'm pretty sure Guillermo del Toro was attached to it at one point, but that was like a movie version. I feel like it would be really good as a TV series. Because they could really explore that world, and it's it's just a fantastic one. Um, so shout out to to Bioshock on, as well. On the flip side, if I may, I think a, a game that I want to play that probably would never happen because of the copyright and wrapped up in different things. I need Ryan Reynolds to return as Deadpool in a game. Like I need that. Ooh. That a Deadpool game would actually be legit actually be sure. legit you could be deadpool kills the marvel universe that would be a little gory those are hard to read sometimes those comics but um uh, a deadpool game would be actually epic i would play the heck out of that who would you who would you want to make the deadpool game like what studio if you had your pick um probably probably santa monica um personally oh, or okay. um yeah some big or maybe rockstar rockstar would probably do a really heck of a job with it the only problem is i think um Deadpool is wrapped up in like who owns the rights to it and mm-hmm. so I I don't even know so Rockstar has the um like lack of of well, I don't know decorum that's not the word I'm thinking yes. of Yes well right that's exactly right the abrasive yeah and they that's they could already picture. build that I mean Deadpool is crazy enough to go in character steal a car steal a plane and just you know murder people on the street that's within his yeah. his perjury so kind of the anti-hero i've always wanted to play yeah i've always wanted they, there was a deadpool game i think on the ps3 i've always wanted to play it and i always heard that there was like something cool about it but it was kind of low budget um, i see so that's a good pick insomniac dude the guys who make spider-man oh yeah they're they're making a wolverine game That'll be good, I'm sure. X Deadpool. Yeah. All right. Anyway, uh, good thoughts there. Um, Looking forward to seeing how Last of Us continues. Um, Season two is going to be garbage (laughs) once they adapt the second game. Um, But let's jump into our pick of the week. And that's the game Inside. inside um a game a a spiritual successor to limbo um from the same company i think it's played it i I should have looked this up Uh, played as the company that makes it uh yeah it is and they have i don't think released a game since inside um and that's always been a question is like what what are they going to do next but with both of these they had major uh splashes in the industry limbo was very unique because of its it's it was at that time where the indie scene was really taking off um brand new and the concept of just digital only games was like brand new and 
this one was a, a young boy stuck in limbo. It was dark. There were brutal deaths. Um, and uh, surprises and twists and stuff. And then Inside's kind of a continuation of that concept in a different setting. And um, both of them have been critically received very well. But looking back on it, and they're, they're small games. They're small experiences. I think uh, Inside takes you probably two and a half hours to beat, three hours. Um, they, the question, I guess, is do they hold up? Do they hold up? And so, Jared, my question to you isn't what your impression is. Um, not yet anyway, I want to hear it and what your first impression was and how it was when it wrapped up. But, um, my question is, what do you think this game is about? Like, what do you think is the meaning behind the game inside? There's, there's a, a message here. There is a, um, in my opinion, uh, uh, a philosophy or a, a meaning, I guess, that they're trying to get across and I guess my question to you is, what did you think? How did you translate it in your that's a That's a great way to start this uh, podcast. So um, Inside was enough of a cerebral um, experience that IGN nominated it for Game of the Year in 2016. So despite being you know sub three hours if you're good at puzzles... Um, it was, it packed a bit of a punch and that is the, that is the question, um, of this game. What is it about? There's an alternate ending, uh, to, um, the way things, the, the way things end, uh, it ends abruptly, kind of surprising, uh, many people who've, who've played, you know, spent all that time playing just for have it end that way. And upon looking at it, my first answer was, um, mind control is the it's about mind control it's about um people abusing others in order to try to control them and i think the start of the game has that vibe in overwhelming proportion you know you see these mindless drones and uh kind of an agricultural style and then you move through through the map to a, more of a industrial style and then a, a, a high mm-hmm. tech is how it ends really and then you're at the very end of the game you just kind of a you you smash through everything and and try to uh, get away but at first I'd say mind control but after having meditated on it for this podcast and just thought well meditate's a strong word having just thought about it for this podcast I think that my final answer would be that it is about doubling down on your failures and are not cleaning up our past messes before moving on to the next mess or the next attempt. Mm. And the reason I say that is because you have you you start in the woods being chased by individuals um, who have dogs and they want to control you as you get to the next part, which is you know barns, farm equipment abandoned on the side, pigs, Um, some chickens running around and, um, just empty, rusty farm equipment. And then you move into these people are drones and they're being marched towards something. Um, and, and then you move into an industrial style warehouse. And then you have an area where there's tremendous verticality where you're going down several levels, you're going up several levels. And then there's underwater portions. And then there's, and every single time that you get to these areas, they're run down and they're decrepit. And you leave them behind to move on to what seems to be the next project that humanity tried to do to improve their lives. 
and it finally ends at the most recent failure, which is where all of the people are. You see all these scientists, they're there. They've right. moved on past their past projects. One of my favorite, it was the most frustrating part, but it was the most mysterious and most fascinating to me, and the, what inspired me to come up with this idea here was there's a, there's a concussive sound wave part of the game mm. where you are hiding behind these sound barriers as this thing, this abnormal thing in the distance pounds just these loud thunderclaps, uh, these booms, and they, they're so powerful, they kill you instantly if you get hit by them. So you have to hide behind these protective barriers, and it's coming from this place, and there's no other people around. There's just crash test dummies uh, and bodies that get flung everywhere when you open barriers and different stuff like this. And it's a project that's been abandoned, and the machine is still running. And that's fascinating to me that these these projects that these scientists have created, they're just like, well, that was a failure. Let's move on without worrying about the consequences of their decisions, without trying to clean up what they just tried to make, without you know, reconciling with the past before we move forward in the future. And you will constantly create the same mess over and over and over again if you do not clean up after yourself. And so I think that's what this game is about. Um, it's obviously about choices. Um, the alternate ending kind of throws a wrench in my theory. Uh, just to explain real quick, the ending, the original ending of the game, is if you beat it normally, is that you find this huddled mass of like human chunk. It's got arms and legs sticking out of it, and you become one with the chunk. It really grabs you and drags you to it, and then you take over, right. moving this around, and then you break free. You're kicking and pushing and jumping and absorbing and throwing things in sticky kind of a nastiness and you are moaning and groaning obviously in pain until finally you break out of the scientific you know lab or whatever roll down this hill and dead have a dead stop um on the i think a shore or a field or something like that you finally made it out in nature and the game just ends and in the alternate ending you have to turn off these mind control machines one by one i think there's three of them and then you end up finally pulling the plug um, on this one thing and then the boy that you play as just gives up to mind control. He's, he, he loses his free will at that point. And that's also very fascinating. So maybe that throws a wrench in my theory. But I think it is about p- failing to recognize your failures in the past and that technology cannot always save you um, and that you need to mm. clean up your mistakes before you move on to the next project, I personally think. Um, and so that that was my takeaway, Josh. How about you? I think you, you've hit the nail on the head with a lot of that. Um, to me, it is, along what you're saying, kind of like they've, they've forsaken stuff and they just continue to move on. It's science run roughshod, you know? It's, a, mm-hmm. it's, it's the idea of quote-unquote progress meeting its its true end when it's progress for progress sake, which is, um, abandoning, you know, dignity, abandoning morality, abandoning, um, any sense of humans being important, which is a postmodern concept. Yes. You know, it, it's a, it's like a parable of the horrors of po- postmodernism where you've abandoned meaning and in, in pursuit of science for, for no other reason than to pursue it. And it leads to all of these awful, awful things. Um, it also like just strikes me as like an incredibly government way of handling things. Yes, like this is a government solution to like oh, um, which is you know we, we've seen this play out in history. Like we, communist governments have have made similar such. Uh, obviously, they've not made a giant blob mass of human beings as far as we know, um, but like <clears throat> they've 
they've been like, oh, you know, how do we control the people? Oh, we should just mind control them, you know? Yeah. Um, or, you know, in the case of, of you know, um, communist China, uh, Mao's China, there was a whole uh, period of time where they were like, oh, well, how do we get the economy going? Well, we need to have raw material. We need people to produce it. So we're going to take this raw material from over here. We're going to drop it over here in this village, and we're going to expect them to do something with it. And it's like yeah. there was no pre- preparation for that. There was no drive for those people. Um, but all that this government's doing is looking at this bean counter, you know, the accounting sheet at the end of the day, and are making decisions based off of that um, in Stalin's Russia, um, that led to the starvation of millions of Ukrainians who, um, because, you know, someone at the top of this centralized control government decided, you know what, we need to collectivize the farms and everything that you grow, you need to turn over to the state and we'll distribute it evenly, ended up becoming where people who, of course, were close to the administration got the food and most of Russia did, but then Ukraine, which is where most of it was grown, ended up being abandoned and starved, really, to death. Um, many of millions dying um, under what was basically just government stupidity. Um, making a decision that to the government sounds good, but in reality is an atrocity, you know, yes. um, because it doesn't take into the factor the human element. And this game is like is is a is an image of that where um, and it, there's no government mentioned. It's it's a scientific building area. I guess it's not one building. It's one whole complex that you're kind of trapped in the whole time that extends on and on. Like you said, there's like p- parts of it that have been abandoned at the start. You have like the entry, you know, where they are. The creepy line of, of hunched puppet people who are falling into line and who are, you know, being logged away, you're assuming, for whatever experiments they're doing on them. Um, and then for, for periods of time, you're not seeing people. On occasion, you will. Uh, you steal a, a submarine. Um, and then by the end, you see all these people again. But um, it's it's each of these, yeah, experiments, like you said, that have been abandoned because it's like, oh, that didn't work, or oh, let's move on, let's try something different, or let's let's experiment just for the sake of it and see where it takes us. And you see all of these scientists surrounding this this um, container with this monstrosity in the middle, this grotesque, massive ball of human parts. Yeah. And it is alive and, like you said, moaning and disgusting. And they don't seem disturbed by it. Like, they're all recording information and seeing what happens next and I'm sure feeding it more often than not and and seeing what happens now and, and maybe even trying to see if they can control that. Like, that was kind of my thought was that this was something that they were trying to use, maybe even like a super weapon of sorts using human parts. And because you as the boy, the only autonomous person that you see other than the scientists, like the only person who has their own mind. Although, like you said, the alternate ending kind of like breaks that a little bit. Um, the only autonomous person gets into, gets sucked into this thing. You lose your, your person. <laughs> so you, you die really yeah. to this giant monstrosity. But then now the monstrosity has autonomy and it rebels against its scientific fathers. You know, what, what created this monstrosity and just kills and gets out of there. Um, and is becomes the horror, but was really only the horror because that was what science made it. Um, and yeah, to me, it, it is just kind of like, here's a world where the dignity of humanity has been removed and this is what can happen. Um, it's a black mirror episode, you know, yes, <laughs> like right. technology allowed to just run free and run rampant. 
um, and it's unsettling by the end. Like when you when you see that thing and you're like, oh, yeah, like what in the world? And then when it consumes you and you become it, you're like, oh, like everything about it just like. Like I could, I was glued to the screen right when that happened. Yeah. And any person that I've shown this game to, you're just you, you're just like you're struck with horror, like awestruck, but with horror as to like what you're experiencing because this is not how human beings ought to operate. You know, like there's something deeply, deeply wrong about this. And to me, the deep wrong is a world without meaning, and um, that being really the premise here of the whole thing. It really reminds me of the same vibes I got in Portal 2, especially, um, which is this, sure. you know, uh, whatever <laughs> Very his name. different vibes, but yeah, I understand what you mean. Say what again? It's just, it. <laughs> you, I said very different vibes. Like, un- inside's, like, unsettling, and then Portal's, like, goofy, but fair, fair I understand enough, fair 100% enough. what you mean as well. In the sense that when you go down to the under levels of underneath the, the sure. Aperture Labs, you have buried past projects. You have uh, a human um, narrator who is, you know, Simmons, uh, J.K. Simmons, who we were talking about earlier. And he is dying of his past mistakes and his poor, you know, chemical failures and different. And obviously, there's a lot of levity and some, uh, some humor uh, mixed in there. But that sense of that that sense of old technology because there is a little bit of a retro vibe throughout both games um retro tech vibe and just this this monstrosity that's created uh in the meantime and the the casual disregard for human life both from gladys and from the scientists of inside um that's fascinating to me and so similar obviously not the same you're very right to point out the differences um but the way that you 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 toss aside things that are natural and good for the all out race and chase of the latest and greatest tech um that that is isn't the, that like a total american thing too it is it is like it it's is sad that it is but like this is obviously set like midwest usa you know like yes. with the farm and everything yes same thing with Portal. Like it's set somewhere in one of those Great Plains states, you yep. know. And it's these parts of the world that are tucked away, and the freedom that the United States has loved has also led down this path of like of no no principled study and no principled science and yes. and progress for the sake of it. Like I said, and and it leads to these awful, awful things. Um, but it's it's so funny how it's always America. <laughs> yes, it, like it like always is. The um, the mass of human flesh is called the huddle, and one of the fan theories um, or, or theories that I've read about is that the huddle was controlling the boy the entire time, and was simply trying to stop being in pain. And as soon as, as soon as you get the boy, and the boy continues moving forward, um, solves these puzzles, and no, seems to know exactly where to go to get to the huddle. And so once he gets to the huddle, he becomes one with the huddle and gives the huddle the amount of autonomy that it needs. It takes it from the boy and escapes. As soon as the huddle rolls down this grassy field and stops and is away from the sharp pointy objects that come with modern uh, man-made things, it stops groaning and moaning, and it just stops Mm -hmm. moving. And so Mm -hmm. in a conquest to 
escape the pain. It took the the mind control from this boy, and you know it suggests that you were never you never had an autonomous the auto, uh, autonomy the entire time. You were simply you know you're you're a robot just like everyone else essentially, despite not mm-hmm. having the helmet on. Um, another theory that I like is that um, the huddle is kind of you are moving towards technology in these phases agriculture industrial and 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 you know then it goes subnautica and water and giant megalithic structures and machines and um and submarines and what have you you are simply one of the mass masses you are one of many in the mass of human beings that is constantly pushing the technological um, you know, rat race forward and you can't help but move forward and see the wake of the destruction, but you have to have it. You have to have this latest and greatest technology. You have to be one of many. You can't, maybe you're running away from your autonomy um, and towards this mass of, you know, just looking at a screen all the time. I think of people as they look down at their phone screens, you know, and just one of many, mm. the mass, uh, mass people everywhere. Um, and that's another theory that I kind of like as well is that it's this parody of thinking that we're advancing, but really we're dehumanizing ourselves. And that's to yeah, your point, yeah. what you've been saying exactly. I'm just rephrasing it. Uh, and I like that theory as well. So it is, it is fascinating. And it would be doctors, man. Like, right. Doctors got something. There's sometimes like, I, I wonder if there's like a problem if you become a doctor. Because <laughs> like, like I saw a, I guess it was a TikTok, is a repost on on Instagram, but um, it was like people who start f- for the first time at the hospital, and it's like early, you know, like young nurses and stuff, and they're just like shocked by like the sounds and um, people like screaming and like the pain and the suffering and like all the other people are kind of like joking like, oh yeah, you'll get used to it. Like that crazy guy does that every couple hours or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. stuff like that, and it's like they just get desensitized to this, and you see like this line of mind-controlled human beings and all these doctors with clipboards like watching them taking out logging them not thinking twice you know it's like they they have this separation even from themselves from their own humanity and are willing to continue on this path and it's it's it it would be doctors (laughs) that are doing that man like yeah and you were pre-med so you're in that group jared i blame you yeah go ahead point the finger (laughs) (laughs) No, but um, so what did you think? Okay, so so concept itself, very heady concept. It's definitely a cerebral game. Uh, makes you think when you finish it, it, it'll stick with you. Like I think that's that's yes. why so many yes. people would look at this and say that it's that it's a uh, a classic. But out outside of that, or maybe even including that, but Jared, overall impression, do you find this game truly special? And is it just the story or is there more to this game that makes it a special game no i i i do find it special among indie games um a couple episodes ago i think for goaties i mentioned this game i was playing called far loan sales and it's very simple same length as inside just a couple hours long um puzzle solver except you are trying to push your vehicle forward through this you know, wasteland as this small character inside has a bit more of um, a respect for physics, 
uh, obviously, and and the the background elements of the things that you can see being chased by dogs, um, the setting, yeah. the, the story, not just the story, but the the horror, the mild horror setting that it is, um, being dragged underwater by this like long haired almost version of yourself looks like almost. Um, yeah, yes. that's that was my least favorite part. These different science <laughs> experiments, the background, just these like large, you know the 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 nature of the game the nature of the thing the form of the thing and i i do think it's special it's an indie game that like you like you said sticks with you um and should be considered a classic for that for a reason um for such a small um price point goes on sale in the nintendo switch store all the time it's definitely worth picking up and adding value to your switch um um and putting that on your your console for sure i do love the puzzles I do love the puzzles. So outside of the story okay, and yeah. the setting, which are both exceptional, I love the puzzles. Um, I think there's that, some fun ones. They're all very contextual. Yes, like that's they something are. I really like. It's context intuitive. Um, everything you interact with is in the environment. It feels natural. Yes. Sometimes you don't even because it looks so natural. Like you don't even think like, oh, can I do that? And then after a while, you get a feel for like okay, I can interact with this stuff. Like, obviously I can because it's here, you know? Yeah. Um, so the puzzle is very, very well done. And that's what you're doing throughout most of the game is you're just, you're pushing boxes, you're you're putting on a mind control cap yourself and controlling some of these uh, puppet people and um, you're trying to find a way through doors. On occasion there's chases, but I agree. I think I think the puzzles are very well done um, and they, they keep it like constantly fresh. Like there's there's a constant freshness to them as well. Yeah. Yeah, I I think in the variety too. It's not the same thing over and over and over again. They're constantly innovating with small mechanics. You don't have to be you don't have to be Legend of Zelda esque with your puzzles. You don't need gyroscopic controller movement to to make a good puzzle. Um, it can be it can be something as simple as this. Um, and that's also partially why it reminds me of Portal. Portal is such a simple concept, mm. and inside feels the same. You know, every every little area has a gimmick to it that you have to incorporate and utilize to move forward to the next the next region. Um, and no, I, I love the puzzles. I thought they were engaging um, and just challenging enough to keep me entertained, but not enough to frustrate me. Um, which I know is yeah. varies from person to person, but I I really enjoyed them for sure. You solve them in enough time that you don't get, you're not banging your head against the wall, but it does make you sometimes stop and think. Like there was one on, and I didn't finish it with this most recent playthrough, but uh, one of the earlier puzzles, you're kind of like, you take over one of the bodies and you're on a box and you're having the guy, well, you're down on a platform that's attached to a rope and the guy above you is pushing the box and pushing you. And then you get to a moment where it's like, okay, now there's another body another person that i can control and i need to get up and have two switches touched at the same time and you have to like take a step back and just kind of reassess what all do i have at my disposal am i missing something and then you figure it out um and then you move on but it gives you just like small senses of satisfaction with each little puzzle and there's some more complex ones later down the line with like electricity and stuff um and some of it is like dangerous traversal um so like you said with the um sound wave area like that's that's a traversal thing. Um, some of the submarine stuff, I guess you could say, is like traversal type puzzles. Um, changing water levels and stuff. You do that a few times in the game as well. Um, lots of switches that you flip <laughs> yeah. and seeing what they do. 
Um, and it's, it's always, it's always done very well. Um, one thing you, I don't, if you want to add to puzzles, you can't, do you have any other thoughts as far as puzzles are concerned before I move on? I, I liked that the setting was so beautifully, you're, you're, you made the, the point that they're contextual puzzles. And I loved that the setting so seamlessly integrated with each puzzle. Um, Instead of in a Zelda esque style coming up with, you know, forty eight or however many shrines there are, forty eight different puzzles. Is that right? Maybe there's only 120. I can't remember. Uh instead of coming up with that many different puzzles, you have come up with, you know, very setting dependent uh issues to deal with. Like one of them, you're being chased by dogs. That one actually took me a second. I didn't quite understand what I was supposed to be doing. Um, mm. uh, that was earlier on. I was a little frustrated with that one, but I, once once solved, I was like, "Oh, that makes sense." You have to climb the fence, get them to go to the other side, and then you have to. Uh, oh, right, right, time. right. That was that do- the dog one specifically messed me up. Trying to figure out how to escape the thing following you underwater was freaky and enjoyable yes. in, a, in a traversal sense. These random elements added here and there. Um, the weight, you know, weight scales. You have to have mind control a certain number of people, so you got to keep track of where you are running across these vast distances, everything about the setting elevated the puzzles. Everything about the puzzles pointed back to the setting. And I thought it was a master class yeah. yep. in, like you, the word you're using, contextual um, indicators, was, was well, well, well done. Well, I'm glad you say setting, because that was the next point I was going to make, is that, um, and it ties into the, into the puzzles for sure, like you said, and um, the close call moments with the dogs yeah. are like, you're always like, Ugh. and <clears throat> what I was going to say was the setting itself um, really reinforces, like you said, the the form of it, I think was the word you used. I love that. Um, talking about like the, the scenery itself, the yeah. abandoned parts of these, uh, of scientific laboratories and um, the experiments that have been moved away from. All of that ties back to that theme of like a world without meaning um, because everything here is cold like it's cold it's empty like everything is empty the sound there's not too much as far as like there's ambiance but like there's not a whole lot of music um it's quiet when you die it's quiet um you don't scream out right right Right. the dogs are probably the loudest thing but they're just being dogs um when you die it's gruesome it's awful you get your head you know slammed into something or um a dog rips your like rips through your neck and you can just imagine his throat getting ripped open or um sometimes you don't even like die die but like someone will grab you but like anytime it happens there's not any sound to it it's it's almost like an empty thing it's like it's it's there's there's no actual um i don't know tragedy that's occurring it's like nope this is just it's a cold world this is what happened yes yeah and this is a young boy and cruel things are going to happen in this cold empty meaningless world and um it constantly reinforces that over and over and over and it's very unnerving because of that as well um and so the setting and i in my opinion it's a little too gray like it's it's gray pretty much the whole time now that's kind of played as aesthetic, right? Um, yeah, and yeah. obviously your character has like a red shirt to really pop and stand out, which I I do appreciate. But um, yeah, it you you die, it's awful. But because of the world, it's like the the world just doesn't care, you know? Yes. Um, and it just it you feel that you really feel that the entire time. You really get a sense of because of the gray aesthetic, which is you know Limbo was the first game. This one is a, a, a follow up to that. So yeah, the aesthetic is definitely Play Dead's a wheelhouse for sure. That's what their preference is. 
but the setting really uh, enhances this depth perception of the background. I think because yeah, it, yeah. it just extends into infinity in some in some scenes in some areas, and it really gives you a sense of closeness or depth or or size. And I really like the way they they play with these things. There's always just enough light to really illuminate what they want you to see. So it gives the developer maximum control over, um, you know, just the style of it. So I I really like the gray aesthetic, especially because when you play games. Um, Nowadays, most of them tend to be tend to be overwashed. I think specifically of like for sure, um, a Jedi Star Wars Fallen Order. Really, for for one example, it's just mm. everything is so <laughs> bright and saturated, which I don't really have a problem with. Um, it makes it look poppy and fresh and new, and I'm sure Cyberpunk's going to be exact same way. Um, but I do love the I love the refreshing undertones uh, of the grayscale. I suppose that was that was. It was new. It was, it was a, a good uh, break from the huge, yeah. uh, which was obviously a lot of AAA titles. So I enjoyed that personally, but I can certainly see your point of view as well. I think the the lack of like color and stuff too also shows like there's a lot of detail to this. Sure, um, there is like um, like the animations. There's so many good animations. Um, it feels and looks fluid. Um, and like when he, like even at the very start of the game, like you, you walk or you don't even walk in, but your character kind of just like falls into view from the forest Mm -hmm. and he like hits the ground. You see his knees bend. He puts his arms on the ground, kind of like shuffles back up to his feet. And, uh, you walk over, you grab, uh, a handle or something later in the game. And like when he pulls that, you can like see his effort as he does it. And it's like little tiny animations like that. Yes. The attention to detail really does pop. And then when there's like a blinking yellow light, like, you know that that's important. Um, looking in the background you can, you can tell if a machine is on or off. Um, and the, I think the, the aesthetic, even though it is, it is gray really also for some bizarre uh, in some bizarre way also like really makes the detail pop um and cyberpunk i love the aesthetic of by the way um super neon very great chat out there (laughs) um that being said um okay i i I mean we're talking a lot of good stuff jared do you have anything that you would say is a gripe a concern something you didn't like about the game i know you mentioned the dog moment that one's a very stressful one because you have to like pull the boards and it takes for freaking ever to pull those boards off right um so i understand what you mean there um but was was there any other issue that you had with it um that we haven't mentioned yet not really, no. Um, to be frank with you, not everything needs to be an open world RPG. You know, this is something that we've talked yeah. about before: open world fatigue. And it was a, it was, it came at a perfect time. You know, my favorite anime of all time is Code Geass. Um, that's my favorite of all time, and it's not because it's perfect. If you were to sit me down and have me watch it with a notepad in in, in hand. Um, or or what have you, I would not give it a perfect ten out of ten score. There's fan service, there's filler, um, there's some uh, there's some rushed plot concepts, there's some um, there's some odd like oh how convenient is that you know. This, so I would probably give it to me at least, um, including my subjective biases in my objective uh, reasoning. I would give it a nine point five to nine point seven somewhere in there. Um, it's got one of the best endings in anime, though, and the vibes are immaculate, as well as the color scheme, the animation, the style, the drawing, the dialogue. F- just phenomenal, phenomenal. On a bad day, 9.5. On a good day, 9.7, right? But inside, on the other hand, it it came to me in the same way that Code Geass does, 
did. It was just perfect. It was it, one of the reasons Code Geass is my favorite is because it came to me at the right time. I just needed it in my life at that time. And when I played Inside on your recommendation, it was the perfect timing because it was a break from the AAA games that we have been playing. It was uh, a fresh color palette, or lack of, really. Um, it was a simple puzzle game. It was cheap. It wasn't a $60, $69.99 title. Mm. It was um, on the Switch store, just a quick little download. doesn't take up too much space. And the story was unique. The setting was unique. The um, insinuation of things that happened, the physics were consistent. There was no glitchiness. There was no awkwardness. It just was so smooth. And one of the best, if not the best, indie experience I've ever had with a video game. I really don't have any critiques because wow. it does exactly what it meant it set out to accomplish. The vague, it, the vagueness yeah. is intentional. Um, the color scheme is intentional. The puzzles are genius. I don't think I could have thought of many of those puzzles. They were excellent use of um, environmental storytelling, environmental elements, and contextual cues and indicators. I really don't have any critiques. Um, it's not something that I'm going to play more than once. So no yeah. replayability, and that's something we mentioned on this podcast. Like A lot of AAA games have a lot of replayability. Pokemon Arceus is one of the best uh, replayability of any game I've ever played. Uh, Skyrim 2, for that matter. This game does not. But you know, I guess that's one critique, but not every game needs to be played 30 times, you know? Yeah. Sometimes one is enough and it'll sit in your brain regardless and you'll think about it all the Mm -hmm. time. So, yeah. And that being said, because it's short and it's, it's really the perfect length. Yes. It's, it's short, it's three hours, but it, it, it's exactly what it needs to be. So like in that case as well, showing some restraint, not everything has to be long, kind of like you're saying with everything else. Um, but it's easy to recommend because of that too. Like yes. you can have someone who doesn't play games very often just say, "Hey, this is a you know this is like a couple of TV shows of length. Right. Like, sit down, play it. You might get something out of it. You know. Yeah. Um. So it's a really easy recommend because of that as well. And it does what it sets out to do. Um. Hits every single beat. Hits uh, every single question. Um. Gives it the attention to detail that it needed and then it leaves, you know, it's done what it wants to do. And then it, it bows out, which, uh, I can definitely appreciate. Doesn't overstay. It's welcome. Isn't trying to force itself down your throat. Um, it, and, and you can tell the design is masterful because there's, there's no tutorials. There's yes. no text really yes. in the game at all. Yes. You just kind of like experience what's happening, yep. you know, and, and you get so much out of it despite it not constantly explaining itself to you. So, Great game, yeah. Great game. Um, yeah. If it had stayed with that said, if it overstated welcome by like do, making you know, if I was dumber, it might have taken me five hours to play the game. But it took me yeah, around yeah. you know two and a half, three, and that was the perfect amount of time. If it had if it had forced me to sit any longer, I, it would have ruined my evening. You know what I mean? It would have been like, oh, this is too much of a commitment. But this two and a half to three hour length is is perfect for it. Yeah. And it's constantly, like, dangling in front of you, like, the question of just, like, what is going on? Yes. Yes. Like, what is happening here? Like, you walk into the woods, and your kid is terrified, and he's getting chased. Like, what? And then you see this creepy line of people, and you're like, what? And you keep going further and further, and it's like, where are we going? Like, what is happening here? And it's constantly, like, pushing you to continue on because of that, too. So, masterful, masterful game. Um, So, with that thought there, uh, what do you think, Jared? Should this game be in the Hall of Games? 
I don't see why not. You know, it, if the if the reaping comes around and it comes down to Horizon Forbidden West or Inside, <laughs> you know, I don't know what's going to happen. I won't. I won't. Uh, I won't yeah. suggest what should happen. I won't. Whatever. But yeah, I, there's a reason it was nominated for Game of the Year by IGN in 2016. There's a reason this studio has a reputation now for things like this, and um, I, I certainly think it should join our lineup. It's a it's a great game, um, and for what it is, is you know near perfect. So I I think so. No peer, like we can't we can't point to anything else in the Hall of Games and say it's like Inside, um, which is a testament into the game's uh, originality and ingenuity in and of itself. Um, and we've said that before for other games, you know, um, we said, I mean, last week with Deathloop that there's nothing quite like it, um, but it did not end up coming into a cohesive package, whereas Inside really is as tight of a package as you could ever want. It's it's real tight. They keep it tight. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's um, right. And I agree. I agree. I think it should be in the Hall of Games. So um, with that being said, ka-chunk! Inside is another uh, what was candidate now entry into the Hall of Games and well worth it. I am glad to hear that, Jared. Honestly, I was a little nervous. I didn't know how you're going to respond here, and I thought I may have to fight. Uh, but I'm glad it uh, resonated with you and you enjoyed your time with it um, as much as I had before. Yes. So, um, Shout out to Inside. Pick it up. It's it's on sale all the time. It's a really short experience, and it's a thoughtful one. We'll, we'll stick with you long after the credits. Um, okay, uh, that's it for us then. Let's uh, wrap up. You guys can uh, support us, of course. Tell a friend about the podcast. Drop us a review, five stars. Um, check out our previous episodes. Go check out our Patreon. Like I said, it's kind of like a tip jar right now, so um, I plan to improve on that. I think even the tiers that are there, I honestly need to rework them a little bit because um, they're promising things that, um, at least right now, I'm not set up to deliver on, like early episodes and whatnot. Um, although, if someone signs up for that, I'll get on it right away. <laughs> like That'll be this week i'll fix that um but yeah check that out um i'm going to be publishing more uh written content you know jared wrote some things for me actually in the past uh under the video game bard label so those things are out there in the ether as well check those out jared's a great writer um and uh hopefully we're we're able to expand uh have red pixel coming out here this next week and um i'd love to do youtube videos uh take clips from the episodes and also like really talk about like i mean we could dedicate a video to inside or something like that you know like talk about games and um in a essay format thoughtful approach to them or um just there's a lot of things that we could do um to expand and anything that you can do as a listener anything that you can do in our audience to be a part of this is huge for us so um do anything you can within your power and we would appreciate it thank you for taking the time to listen I hope you agree with our decision, and if you don't, let us know. Uh, email us at askvgb at gmail.com. Until then, I'm the Video Game Bard. I'm going to sign off here, and I'm going to let Jared the Casual have the last word. Jared, closes out. Listen, folks. Be inspired. Go do your thing. Be if Even if you're not a AAA game yourself, you can be like inside. You can do what you do best and do it better than anyone else, folks. You have something that you, you bring to the table that's unique to you. Go out there and uh, make it special.